What is good, guys and gals, and welcome to the Films and Pixels podcast, episode 8. I'm your host, Afif, and today we've got some pretty interesting collection of topics. Now, I'm going to be reacting and reviewing The Tindler Swindler, the documentary that was released on Netflix, some more BlackBerry-related news, and lately things haven't gone well for them, and I'm going to be asking and debating the question, is Elden Ring already Game of the Year contender? I'll tell you why I think so already. Uh, plus the, sta- the status of um, the Marvel Netflix shows and what's next for them. And plus a uh, possible Gotham Knights TV show going into production. And if th- it'll pick up order on any TV network. But before go- I go forward, please make sure, if you haven't before, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It helps an independent channel such as this one. Like and follow the social media pages, comment in the comment section below. It does help engagement, bring more views, grabs more attention. So it does me a favor. Thank you so much if you have made the effort. And without further ado, let's get going. Okay, for the first topic, I'm going to be talking about my review for The Twindler Swindler. And wow, was this a shocker. I mean, look, first of all, I do want to, um, you know, really just give all the credit for the brave women that willingly spoke out on their situation. Now, it's uh, just watching, I was just completely mind blown and shocked at the number of financial losses they have suffered. And still they're paying their debts to this day, taking out loans of hundreds and thousands of dollars to pay a man who claims to be under threat and running away from his enemies. The man in question is Simon Leviev. And, you know, it's not just these three women, uh, Cecilia, Pernilla, and Aileen, who have spoken. Yes, they're the three women that spoke in the documentary, but he has done this to so many victims. It's just crazy how he lives off their finances and has this lavish lifestyle with a fake alias while running away from his home country because of his war crimes now this all happened as they explained you know going through tinder and you know he's a match and brainwashes them hypnotizes them tells them he tells them you know he loves them flowers wants to spend the rest of their lives with them have a family and then when he's in trouble please can you help me with this and this amount of amount of money it's just kind of crazy, I mean, to think that someone thinks it's okay to get away with it, fake aliases and being the son of a wealthy uh, entrepreneur or someone who, uh, LLD Diamonds Lev Leviev, who have no relation with Simon. It's just crazy, like even seeing the psychological effects and how one of them almost committed suicide and needed to be admitted to psychiatric ward. I mean, it's crazy, like, at the starting numbers, I don't remember it specifically, like, what, $250,000 at one point, taking loans from American Express and, like, uh, n- nine banks that, sh- that these women have to pay debts to. Now, you know, I do give them credit for the courage at some point, also speaking to um, journalists and photojournalists, giving them all the evidence, even though it was painful, and I do understand it, the archive footage, photos, text messages, 
voice notes, uh, you know, from a Norwegian newspaper called VG newspaper that made the story public. So that's where the Tindler Swindle name came from, came from. And I thought it was a very eye popping uh, subject. I mean, to think that I'm also at one point, he even uh, made promises to pay them back. And all that he did was give them like fake watches and fake documents forged that are not approved or anything like that. It's just awful. I mean, really, but they should be credited for the bravery and the willingness to speak out. It just tells me also like how the mobile technology apps that we have today, unfortunately, can easily be used to an attacker's advantage against us in so many ways. So it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just kind of shocking you know, the kind of losses, I mean, knowing at the end how he has still gone away with it and the depths they still have to pay this day is crazy. The third woman, I I think she's from Prague. I think her name is Aileen. What I really liked about her is that despite the horrifying situation she found herself in, what she did is like on eBay sell many different high-value, lavish clothes, whether it's from Gucci or Prada or whomever. And then when he finds out about him, he goes crazy, he goes nuts, angry through WhatsApp voice notes and still very upset, uh, while upset at her, still like shaken by it. But she loves the fact that she drove him crazy. And even like, you know, knowing the precise times she was going on a flight to Greece and helped police authorities get him captured is, is amazing, even though he went to prison for a separate uh, charge but not for this so it's i mean unfortunately it's not the happy ending that they want and you know they all since then had to open a gofundme.com to help pay for their debts to the banks it's just awful and the effects it's had on their families so um yeah i th the director for this documentary felicity morris if i'm correct really did a great job and I think it was in the end, she showed a small clip where he found out that they were filming this documentary and he threatened to sue her and everyone involved for defamation and lies. So it just shows how he's willing to protect himself, calling himself innocent. I mean, it's it's just terrible. And even like at one point, his own mother was in the documentary, but her face blurred on purpose for, to protect her. And even saying that she hasn't spoken to him or even heard from him since he was 18. So he's been running away, taking money, using money from innocent women through through Tinder, lavish lifestyle, private jets, five-star restaurants, parties, also alongside his bodyguard and business partner, whether it's a diamonds business or some other kind of industry that he's made up. I mean, it's awful. This, now that I think about it, is it sort of like that Spielberg movie, Catch Me If You Can? Let me know if you think so. But otherwise, it's just terrible. I think, well, in comparison, it's not totally like that as he's trying to run away from his own family and that movie. But this is a more serious situation where Leviev really put a lot of w women almost financially broke and in serious debt. So, I mean, it's just terrible. I'm just glad that the story is out and public from now on. Alright, so as most of you may already be aware, 
BlackBerry mobile devices, whether it's BlackBerry 10 mobile phones or even much older than that, such as the Curves, the Bolds and so forth, have already been stopped being operational, what, shut down and so forth. But now the hits have taken even more further. Um, Onward Mobility uh, have announced that they lost the license to the BlackBerry name. There were hopes that they would have uh, manufactured and produce and also market like a 5G BlackBerry phone in the near future. But I mean, that's not likely going to happen for the Canadian BlackBerry Limited mobile firm. So this is, this is kind of unfortunate. This also comes on the heels of the company selling like um, their legacy patents for $600 million while retaining a license to use them. And, you know, it is unfortunate, like even like some of the blackberry mobile phones that use the android software there are a few while some have been discontinued what's no longer um continuing going forward like the priv and dtech have discontinued while some of the others like key one key two aurora motion and evolve blackberry models are still ongoing but clearly we don't hear much from the company because they're not exactly selling the market high and all that unlike most of the other big names, whether it's the iPhones, the Samsungs, the Huawei's, or any other name I'm missing on top of my head, but I think most of the people know who and what I'm talking about. So yeah, they were supposed to be in charge of designing, marketing, producing uh, new an Android smartphones for, for the BlackBerry. Uh, so they had uh, <clears throat> they had the license after T TCL, who partnered with the company, lost the licensing that lapsed and you know it was it's one of those rare only mobile technology companies that really manufacture phones with the physical keyboards and i personally like those keyboards i've always struggled with touch keyboards even to this day so it is kind of unfortunate but understandable now in the past blackberry and tcl did work on prior phones such as dtech 50 and dtech 60 phones and also key one. So clear it didn't work out. Um, based on some quotes I have from Android police said that sources cited continued supply chain related delays combined with BlackBerry CEO John Chen's change of heart around another BlackBerry branded smartphone as factors that led to the decision. And so it's clear why Mo Onward Mobility decided not to go ahead with another phone while not being able to use the BlackBerry name and you know it it's not clear if the company will even manage to continue going forward or what kind of provider, maybe software provider. I mean, if they can't even use their own BlackBerry 10 software anymore, it, that says a lot. I used to have, I think, maybe the Bold. And I really was a big fan of the Q5 and Q10 mobile phones because of the keyboard, the size, and still the easygoing OS that was kind of like a between an iOS and Android in some ways, especially the ways that it had like an organizational hub of checking apps and emails and so forth so it is unfortunate that the physical keyboard company seems to be less and less active but i mean you know i do hope in some ways like maybe it's just me personally saying this but i mean i do hope physical keyboards will come back even though everyone has quickly adjusted touchscreen typing and i have as well but it's not always for me i always you know, just like certain typos and so forth, misspellings, but I don't know. 
I just hope that there's a solution to their problems and what kind of phones they might manufacture, even though I don't think it'll be very popular going forward. Now this, this topic, me personally, I'm actually very excited about. Now guys and gals, finally, after years of anticipation, trailers and all that exciting stuff, rumors and so forth, finally Elden Ring is finally here and available to play. Finally, Elden Ring is out, available for all modern game platforms, whether it's uh, Windows, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series. This is going to be good. And you know what? As for the reviews, now that the embargo has been lifted, all the so many journalists are already saying it's uh, like already like a masterpiece and one of the greatest video games of all time. And that's saying something. When you look at their previous work, like the Demon Souls, Dark Souls Trilogy, Bloodborne, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, it's already gotten uh, like a universally critically acclaimed uh, hired number, like 95, 97 through Metacritic. Now, obviously, in this situation for this game, review copies were handed out for Windows, PS5, Series X. So anything regarding for PS4, Xbox One S, one x ps4 pro it doesn't entirely matter but you know what that's fine by me i mean like you know the new gen consoles are really the more powerful machines and plus it's the one that's going to grab most of the attention and clearly from software focused on those platforms so it's really fine if there's one interesting thing i do want to say about the new game it's gotten comparisons with uh two prior masterpieces from different companies uh, like The Legend of Zelda and, wait, sorry, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is gone compared to, and Shadow of the Colossus. Now, it, unlike the previous From Software games that are known as always to be very punishing, difficult, and so forth, in this case, while those games have always been interconnected with level designs and at least you know, having the space, the freedom to explore, but for this game, it's more of a open world. And this time, what you can do is traverse with horseback riding with a creature that looks like a half horse, half cow thing. Now, the premise, uh, from what I understood, like the players can take the role of the lonely tarnished in an open world environment called the Lands Between. Now, the premise is about the Elden Ring shards being scattered with the realm being ruled by an, an eternal queen, the offspring of an eternal queen. Uh, players have to traverse through the great ruins, restore Elden Ring, and become Elden Lord. So that sounds pretty epic. One of the reasons why there was so much excitement and hype for this game is simply because of, uh, you know, from software game director Hidetaka Miyazaki, who has done most of the games as game director, although... I do want to mention Dark Souls 2, which for the most part is very good, but for some reason not very loved, maybe because of level design or whatever. Dark Souls 2, he was game uh, supervisor while someone else was director, but for most of the other Soulsborne Sekiro games, he was director. So he takes the role once again. And he did contact George R.R. R. Martin, the same George R.R. R. Martin, uh, responsible for his novels A Song of Fire and Ice, which itself has inspired 
the Game of Thrones television series. So that's pretty good. He was a fan of uh, Martin's work. So Miyazaki and Martin collaborated on giving him the creative freedom with an overarching backstory of the game's universe, the lore, and so forth. So he has, so Martin has had some involvement with the game. What's even more interesting is that some members from the Game of Thrones TV staff did assist as well with the game's development. So you can see how with big names like Miyazaki, George R.R. R. Martin did have involvement with the new game. Gameplay in terms of combat seems similar to before, but um, I it it doesn't mean like it's uh, like a tired formula at this point, you know. Despite the fact that there have been like some uh, like a sub genre, whether it's like a Souls like or Souls born sub action RPG genre by other gaming developers that have made games inspired by it, and it shows the inspiration. It shows that it doesn't have to be easy in holding the player's hand, but challenging challenging them, making them persevere, making it difficult if they have to. And, you know, even looking back, like Dark Souls 1, it's still considered one of the greatest masterpieces and one of the greatest games ever. Which is why I'm glad it did get remastered. I mean, remastered at 1080p, 60fps. I mean, I have the original for the PS3, and oh my god, are those frame rates just awful. So I'm glad, me personally, that it, that game got remastered. And I love everything about Bloodborne. But that's why, like, although I'm not totally anxious to get a copy of Elden Ring right now, but I'm just glad and really not shocked that it is basically another great masterpiece. And I think it's going to be that one game that already a game of the year contender and I wouldn't be shocked if throughout different award ceremonies of course it's going to get nominated but I do strongly believe it'll nab multiple game of the game of the year awards okay so I do have a little bit of piece of news that now has been going on lately um first of all some people may already be aware especially Marvel fans, I know I'm very much aware. Uh, Netflix has announced that all of their Marvel TV shows that were on Netflix uh, will be leaving the network. Similar to what we saw with other TV shows like How I Met Your Mother and so forth, no longer being streamed on Netflix, those Marvel comic book TV shows such as uh, you know, Daredevil, Iron Fist, J Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, The Punisher, and also The Defenders, that used to be home to Netflix are not going to be on the network anymore. Now, not much has been said. I do believe that this is because of a licensing contract likely to be expired by now. <clears throat> and that's not exactly surprising, especially since a couple of years ago, Disney Plus uh, being available and a lot of the Marvel content on Disney Plus. So it does make sense. And speaking of which, there was also a confirmation that those... Uh, Marvel TV shows are going to be moved over to Disney+. Plus. Now, they'll be leaving Netflix February 28th, and then they'll be on Disney+, Plus March 1. And also, another Marvel-related TV show, there could be a possibility of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all seven seasons, also on Disney+. Plus. It used to be on ABC. And I think it, it is on Netflix at this point. I haven't really noticed it, but... It seems like they'll be moved over to that platform as well. And it's not exactly shocking. 
I mean, if there is maybe one clue I may have noticed, it's the obvious uh, cameo appearance of Charlie Cox reprising his role as Matt Murdock in the Spider-Man No Way Home film. And to me, that was actually really exciting. Some people may not be aware. If you didn't watch uh, Daredevil through all three seasons on Netflix and they just wondered who was this guy, the same actor from the Netflix Daredevil show. So when I saw it in theaters, I was very much happy and excited and pleased. Uh, he even made like a simple cameo appearance. But um, if there's a concern I have with the move to Disney+, Plus. It's maybe the R-rated content because, you know, it's mostly like a family-friendly streaming platform. And not, and what I've noticed is that it's not really anything R-rated. So I'm just concerned that because those shows can be a bit bloody, gore, maybe at some moments a bit too sexual. Because, you know, through Netflix platform, it allowed to go a, a bit above and beyond. So I'm just worried that it might hurt the family-friendly image of the Disney Plus streaming service and Disney's network and or I mean like their brand image but I mean I still think it's a good idea and and look I don't think it'll I mean look it it'll still keep Disney have this like family-friendly look but at some point they have to mature a little bit if you know what I mean you have more people interested in the network instead of just being too childish you get what i mean so i'm glad they're making this move and i think it's a smart idea as well to have all the uh, marvel property kind of united together or kind of grouped i should say in one streaming service Speaking of comic book related TV shows, there is uh, one more on the side of DC Comics that's now actually going to be in production. Some people may already be aware of Gotham Knights, but when I do say Gotham Knights, they're probably thinking of the upcoming video game um, starring Batgirl, Nightwing, Robin, and Red Hood, uh, the four playable characters. Now, the premise of that game is basically, you know, with the death of Batman, now Gotham under threat of Court of Owls, and, you know, you can traverse through the open world with the four uh, sidekick characters that now are going to be taking the lead and so forth in a story. I don't fully know what that story is like, but, um, again, I don't really know too much. In fact, it was supposed to come out in 2022, but all of a sudden, it got delayed all the way to next year in 2023, so that remains to be seen how development goes. But the reason why I'm mentioning the Gotham Knights is because there's going to be a TV series going into production. Uh, there's a tweet about it for like April 22 production start. What's not clear if what network and if it's going to be ordered and picked up. I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be picked up by the CW. The CW has uh, for many years, like almost a decade actually, it's been home to TV shows like Arrow, which ran through eight seasons and Supergirl for six seasons. And currently there's The Flash, uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, an upcoming show called Naomi, uh, Superman and Lois, a show, Stargirl, and Black, Black Lightning. So some DC comic book properties already on the CW. And who knows? I mean, uh, Gotham Knights could join that list. But I'm interesting to see where it goes. I do hope it's kind of like a bit more 
on the dark, gritty, even violent side, sort of like what we're already seeing with Teen the Titans or Teen Titans the Titans, yeah, the Titans uh, show that's on Netflix. I really like the tone of that Titans show, a bit more grim, realistic sort of thing. It's a good thing. I mean, DC are not exactly bright, colorful, sort of happy-go-lucky, sort of like the Marvel brand. While DC is not always the dark and gritty, I do like how they have that tone. So I expect Gotham Knights the same thing. If the show will have the Court of Owls antagonist, it's not exactly clear at this point. But I'm interested to see where it goes. I do hope the quality is very good and very high. But will it release at the same time as the actual video game? I think if they're both available around the same time, it'll be a very interesting promotion. And I do think as well that there's going to be a lot, a lot of interest in the Gotham Knights IP in both TV and video game whenever it launches. All right, I guess that pretty much covers up everything throughout the Films and Pixels podcast episode 8. So that's pretty much it for today's episode. If you have watched from beginning to end, I would like to say thank you for the time you have put in from your busy day, from your busy weekend, whatever plans you've had. Once again, if you didn't before, please click on the subscribe button to this YouTube channel. It helps out a lot. Any donation to Patreon page is always welcome. Small donation is good. Like and follow the social media pages. Like this channel as well. Helps with the engagement as well. Helps the viewership go up. Any sort of comments in the comment section is always welcome. Helps with the engagement. Helps with more engagement as well. Uh, You know, brings more interest to the episode. Brings more interest to the channel. So again, thank you so much. And without further ado, until next time, thank you for watching episode 8 of this podcast.